Welcome to this short bonus episode of Zen for Everyday Life. This is a little uh, bonus preview of my new book, which just came out February 29th. Uh, there is a, a text preview of, of the ebook, of the physical uh, paperback, on my blog on buddhaymoney.com, uh, which you can sign up to get on thismomentbook.com. But given the fact that this is a podcast, and I know a lot of you will prefer to get just the audiobook, I also wanted to give a preview on the podcast of uh, those same two chapters as well, so that you can listen to them and get a feel for uh, whether or not you want to pick up the book. So this episode is going to be the uh, recording of two of the audiobook chapters for you guys. So it's completely free. It's a lot of good information in it, and it also sets up a lot of great information for the book to give you more information on it. But it also gives a number of uh, real cool insights uh, for those two chapters as well that will be uh, worth listening to just in and of themselves. So uh, I hope you enjoy these two chapters. And again, if you enjoy them and you'd like to pick up the book as a result of it, you can go to thismomentbook.com and uh, you can check out everything there. You can get the ebook and the paperback and the audiobook all together if you'd like, along with some cool bonuses to uh, help you take the material in the book further. Um, and also, which I didn't uh, offer in the beginning when the book was first launched, uh, and it was just something I didn't think about before because when I released my last book, I didn't have my podcast yet, but I just changed that in the last week. I'm now offering the audiobook by itself. So again, if you checked it out before, you just wanted the audiobook, you saw that wasn't an option. The audiobook by itself is now an option as well. You can purchase. So you can check out all of that again on thismomentbook.com. And so here are two preview chapters of my new book, This Moment how to live fully and freely in the present moment. This moment, how to live fully and freely in the present moment by Matt Valentine. Preface. For as long as I can remember, I had the idea in my mind that I was supposed to do something special. Even as a young child, I have a few faint memories of thinking I'm special. I'm going to do something significant. Years later, I'd realized that there wasn't really anything special at all about that thought, because we all have it at one point or another. We all believe we're supposed to do something big with our lives, and that we're special. Little did I know at the time, but that initial idea, which was sparked in my mind, would lead me all the way down the path I travel today. For the past six years, I've studied feverishly with one goal in mind. Everything from books like Think and Grow Rich, The Millionaire Mind, and The Secret, to John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, all books very popular in sales and commission-based business environments due to the focus on self-actualization, or realizing one's potential, and money, a part of self-actualization to most. I've read just about every major self-development book you can name, from Tony Robbins' Unlimited Power to The Magic of Thinking Big. Later, I dive into positive psychology and the study of happiness and our overall well-being by reading the likes of Martin Seligman, Sean Acor, and Sonia Lyubomirsky, and others. Lastly, I moved on to everything spirituality and worldly wisdom, 
eventually landing on Buddhism, most specifically Zen and the likes of Thich Nhat Hanh, Alan Watts, D.T. Suzuki, Shunryo Suzuki, and other teachers from the Dalai Lama and Pema Chodron to Chojam Trungpa, and of course, the Buddha. Each new book I read, each new talk I listened to, and each new person I studied, from the self-actualization arena, to pure self-development, to well-being, to spirituality, I got a little bit closer. But a little bit closer to what? It was always about fulfilling the need, filling the hole I felt inside of myself, whether it was monetary-based fulfillment, self-actualization, the happiness-based version of self-actualization, which is really what Martin Seligman's flourish was, or some deeper aim to fulfill something within me through spiritual practice. It was all the same one effort. To realize freedom. It was freedom, or peace, two sides of the same coin, which is what I was really after. Freedom from the conditions and habitual patterns which held me back and kept me from enjoying what was in front of me all along. This moment. It took years before I realized that true freedom is what we're all after from the very start. It just takes many different shapes, each stage, if you will, becoming a little clearer and more accurately defined, and each stage bringing a little more peace and happiness. If I was to pinpoint the origin of this moment, that would be it. That is, the path to realizing that we're all after the same thing. We all want to realize freedom. We all want to discover true peace and happiness by coming to a place where we can live fully and freely in this moment of our life, as it is. That's all any of us ever want out of our lives, no matter what our efforts look like on the outside. But most of us lack clarity, and this lack of clarity misguides us to pursuits such as the collection of wealth, fame, and power, in an attempt to fill the void we feel in our hearts. But none of these things will ever fill us up, and until we realize this, we'll never become truly fulfilled and at peace. You see, despite all my effort to become my best self, as I used to refer to it, I was still intensely stressed, anxious, and unhappy. At the time in my life when it was worst, I was about to be a father and was already having enough trouble paying my bills and figuring out what I was going to do with my life. How could I properly raise my son with these challenges in front of me, and with no resolution in sight? It was at that point in which I stopped looking on the surface and began to dig deeper. I had finally realized, after so long, that I really had no idea what I was doing. My search for success and my efforts towards realizing my potential had led me nowhere but to more unrest and unhappiness. I began to look at my original quest for self-actualization in another light. It wasn't about being special or doing something special, success or realizing my potential. It was about being free and at peace. Peace and freedom were what I was after all along. I just didn't know it. I didn't have the clarity necessary to see that, and so all of my efforts were misguided and only caused me more suffering. This is so often the case for so many people. From that point on, Everything I studied was about the mind, happiness, peace, fulfillment, meaning, and really figuring things out. It was at that point that I began feeling a little like the Buddha, attempting to find an answer to the suffering I and others were experiencing. 
Looking back, I see that many of us follow that same path. Some, the lucky ones, realize something is amiss and turn inwards, perhaps intuitively. If you're reading this book, you're on that path, whether you realize it or not. We become fed up with our life as it is and see clearly that what we thought was it just isn't working. It's from there that we begin to search from within for the real answers to the question. That is, the question of how to transcend our suffering and realize true freedom, the one and only ingredient necessary for true peace and happiness to arise. Fast forward to three years ago. I had begun organizing my notes and research, which was mountainous at that point, into Evernote with regards to everything that I had studied and the ideas which I had developed. What I had discovered, particularly through the practice of Zen, meditation, and mindfulness, had helped me not just get my daily life in order. It had altogether transformed my relationship with stress and anxiety and brought a great sense of peace and contentment into my life. I knew what I had discovered could help others, so I began contemplating how I could do that most effectively. It was one year later that I created my personal blog, Budaimonia.com. I knew I didn't have all the answers at that point, but I saw Budaimonia both as a platform for offering to others what I had found so far, and as a valuable opportunity to start formally organizing and further developing my work on the subject. I knew from my business experience that the best way to learn is to put yourself out there with others and to start an open conversation. The internet provided the perfect landscape for doing just that, as well as doing it in a way that allowed me to grow it into a resource for others. Two years later, in the present day, I've grown more through Budaimonia than in perhaps the entire rest of my life. Putting yourself out there isn't ever easy, but bringing these ideas front and center so that others can utilize them in their own life, as well as to see what works and what doesn't work, what was off the mark and what simply needed to be adjusted, has been invaluable. As my own daily practice of meditation and mindful living deepened, I was able to communicate that to the community, and in many ways, the community helped me grow and kept me grounded. I told you this story for two reasons. One, to show you how this moment came to be. From this story, you can draw a clear line from the initial search for meaning, wanting to be special, to the development of that idea to a point where clarity was gained. It's about finding peace and freedom in this moment. That initial idea, the search that followed, and the turning point where I realized my efforts had been misguided all along were key moments on the journey. Once I had shifted to finding an answer to the real question, not how to fill myself up through success, or attaining anything for that matter, but how to live fully and freely in the present moment, in our life as it is, because we were whole all along. I attained a wholesome purpose, and from that, Budaimonia was born. And it's the refined discoveries and development into a teachable practice that Budaimonia helped me realize, which became this moment. Two, to give you a clear example of how our search for an answer to the question looks in real life. Whether we know it or not, we're all searching for the same thing. Whether you're looking for the one, fulfillment through your work, fame, riches, or are following some other path, it's all the same one effort. We're all searching for peace and freedom. 
Peace and freedom is what we want, but we lack the clarity necessary to see what we truly need, or what truly is, and become fixated through various life conditioning on false remedies, false answers. But when you remove the misguided efforts, worrying about the future, regretting the past, and look upon your life as it is, what are you left with? You're left simply with this moment. It's this moment, which is all that's ever been, the present moment. And it's in this moment that we can find peace. It's in this moment where all possibility exists. It's in this moment that we can work to live fully awake to our lives, that we can choose to focus on what really matters and nourish our well-being, that we can work to break through the barriers which hold us back from experiencing life in its fullness. And it's in this moment that we can go beyond the confines of the ego by opening our heart to the world and experience true love. How do you realize true freedom? How do you truly live fully and freely? That is the question. And it's the question I was trying to find an answer to all my life, whether I knew it or not. Whether it was the desire to feel special, successful, stable, or whole. It was always just different shades of the same one effort. But all of those efforts sought to change the reality of my life in the now. I rejected the present moment and sought to change things, much of the time cultivating a sort of resentment for the state of my life as it was, however subtle. So my efforts to find an answer all fell in vain because every effort rejected the truth, that this moment is all that's ever been. It's all we have, and by denying ourselves this fact, we deny ourselves all we've ever truly wanted. But by accepting this fact, and then working to live fully and freely in our life as it is, we open ourselves up to the possibility of peace and happiness. Peace and happiness in this moment, the present moment. Introduction Every day that I sit to write, record, or do whatever else I have to do, I ask myself the question, what is the best use of my time? In this context, I'm trying to be the most productive with my time so that I don't become mindlessly drawn away by less important tasks. But this same principle can be applied to our entire lives in a wider sense to live fully in each moment. In each moment, we're either awake or asleep and to varying degrees. In the same way, we're either free or bound by our conditioning and ignorance. To live fully in this moment, to be fully engaged in our lives and able to experience the beauty that exists all around us, is to be both mindful and free of this conditioning. To live even a single moment mindfully, fully alive to this moment, and without obstructions, having moved beyond the conditioning that binds us in this life and causes us so much suffering, to a place of boundless freedom, is a taste of enlightenment itself. It's like eating an apple with no sense of taste. One person eats the apple, but does not taste it, or at best, has a muted sense of taste and barely experiences the flavor of the apple. This is where most of us are at. The more awake person fully tastes the ripe, juicy apple in all its glory. The further awakened one in that moment more fully experiences the beauty of the apple and sees deeply into it. 
how amazing it is to think that we put so much work into creating delicious dishes and special foods, and still, some of the most delicious of all foods is the fruit which grows on its own, completely away from the hands of the human production process. Perfect just as they are, they exist as a testament that we can find everything we need in the natural world. So, the awakened one eats the same apple, but they experience the full reality of the apple. We all taste the apple, because the apple is life. But our ability to freely experience the fullness of reality, this moment, differs. So, then the question is, how can we bring ourselves to that place? How can we truly live fully and freely in this present moment? To live fully and freely in this moment is to live our best life. It means to live fully awake, able to experience the beauty that exists all around us, as well as to be fully liberated, free from the conditioning which binds us and causes us so much suffering. Answering that question, and then living it, is the single most worthwhile effort of all. That is the question which this moment intends to answer. It's a big topic, without a doubt. One which, if fully covered, could sprawl a 500-plus page to him and still not be done exploring every facet of it. And yet, at the same time, one sentence can explain everything that you need to hear. My hope is that with this moment, you're supplied with everything that's essential to set out on your journey of living fully alive and freely within this moment. It's a lifelong endeavor, but if you make your best effort, you can discover a great magic in your life. The magic of allowing yourself to be fully, as you are, in the present moment. The four principles. How do we design our lives so that we don't just live more mindfully, but so that we break free from the barriers which obstruct our ability to fully and freely experience the incredible beauty and peace of the present moment? And how do we put ourselves in a position so that we can experience that on an everyday basis? The basic ingredients of this moment, the four principles, are about doing just that. It might sound nice to speak about living fully and freely in the present moment, to open ourselves fully to our life as it is, and be simply at peace in this moment, whatever we may be presented with. But what exactly does that even mean? And more importantly, how do we actually begin to make that a reality? This moment isn't a simply poetic piece of difficult-to-decipher advice and cryptic language. My work, from the moment I began my research, practice, and experimentation, has always been to distill things down to their essence, then to transmit that in a simple, straightforward, and practical way. And that's what I seek to do in this moment. The book is separated into four major parts. These four parts are the four major principles of the book, and together form a complete idea, as well as outline a complete practice. Each part, and the subsequent chapters, deals with either important foundational principles of the practice, or major roadblocks which inhibit our ability to live fully and freely in the present moment, both together providing the blueprint for designing a more peaceful and meaningful life. Each principle has a lot to it, but at the same time is broken down in a simple way and with practical instructions for living that particular principle more wisely in your daily life. The four principles are 
Number one, living mindfully. Number two, living intentionally. Number three, living naturally. Number four, living lovingly. Before we get started, it's important that we delve into the four principles so that you have a clear understanding of how each contributes to the overall aim of the book. Living Mindfully In Part 1, Living Mindfully, you'll learn everything you need to know about bringing mindfulness into your life. We'll talk about the basics, why mindfulness is so important, and the most important things to keep in mind in mindfulness practice. We'll also cover the foundational practices, a game plan for actually changing your set point, or habit energy, from mindless to more often mindful, and one of the most important subjects of all, how to make friends with yourself by walking the path of mindfulness. To live mindfully is indeed the foundation of this moment. It's mindfulness which provides the fertilizer for us to not only gain the calmness and clarity of mind necessary to walk through our difficult challenges, but to also further nourish our well-being in any given moment. It's mindfulness which allows us to calm the mind and heal the effects of stress and anxiety. It's also mindfulness which allows us to gain great clarity, which leads to important insights that change the way we see the world and consequently, how we live. Having heard all of that, you might be thinking, what else is really necessary? And indeed, many in the West who have adopted the practice of mindfulness in recent years have taken it as a sort of panacea of sorts. But Buddhist wisdom tells us otherwise. Mindfulness is simply one part in the equation for total peace of mind. Without the other three principles in this moment, our practice would be left lacking important tools for working through the greater issues in our life, such as the distractions caused by the modern lifestyle, the habitual patterns we've had for years which are wholly unfamiliar with this new way of life, of slowing down, of paying attention, and of being mindful, and of which fight back voraciously. The relentless attacks of the inner dialogue and working through difficult principles such as impermanence and the void of the heart, among other things. So, while living mindfully is the foundation, to call the other three principles supporting members would be to severely understate their importance. In fact, each principle could be considered of equal importance in many ways, and depending on the spiritual tradition which you've grown up in, living lovingly could alternatively be considered the foundational principle. With even one of these four principles taken away, the entire path breaks down, or at the very least, is much, much more difficult to walk. Living Intentionally Part 2, Living Intentionally, is about intentionally living your life in a way that is conducive to greater peace and happiness. In Living Intentionally, we talk about the overall environment of your daily life, your goals, your priorities, your focus, what you consume both mentally and physically, the qualities you give and don't give attention to, designing a strong and healthy daily practice, and how you live and approach that daily practice. Living intentionally 
is part simplifying your life to remove distractions and allow you more time to focus on what's most important. Living intentionally is part simplifying your life to remove distractions and allow you more time to focus on what's most important. Part mindful consumption to make sure you're watering more wholesome seeds in your life than unwholesome ones. Part identifying your priorities and shifting your focus to promote your well-being. And part purifying the quality of your day-to-day effort to keep your practice strong, effective, easeful, and enjoyable. Part two largely supports the other three principles, especially your effort to live more mindfully. Without living intentionally, you're likely to be lacking focus with little chance of making mindfulness or any practice in the book a way of life. Living in a way that you water unwholesome seeds that harm your well-being, living and working in a way that you prioritize mindlessness over mindfulness, and complicating your mind and life with too much busyness and not enough taking care of yourself. It's hard to imagine the book without part two, because while it doesn't revolve around any particularly significant spiritual principle, it's something which is prioritized in every spiritual tradition in the world. And that's an environment that is conducive to the cultivation of those spiritual or nourishing principles. A clear example of living intentionally in action is that of monastic living. What other reason is there for the monastic lifestyle but to afford the ability to focus in on one's spiritual practice? That's the entire point, and it's something which Part 2 seeks to replicate within the confines of a more typical modern lifestyle. Living naturally. The idea behind this moment is simple. To identify and outline a simple, straightforward, and reliable path for living more fully and freely, as well as more skillfully, amid our challenges in each moment of our life. But it's not so easy to live life fully and freely in each moment. Many things can get in our way. Part 3, Living Naturally, is about overcoming major challenges. It's part helping you overcome common challenges such as stress and anxiety, But more importantly, it's about helping you work through the larger and more significant challenges we experience in our lives. The fact of our own impermanence. The difficulty in expressing ourselves honestly. When and how to let go. And the various ways we create friction in our lives, especially through attachment and aversion. The reality is, we never get away from challenge. It's a part of our lives, and there's really nothing we can do about it. A life filled with rainbows and unicorns and zero adversity of any kind is just a fantasy. But that doesn't mean we are bound to experience pain and suffering for the rest of our lives. Adversity may be a part of our life forever in some form, but we can change how we relate to that adversity with mindfulness and meditative practice and principles such as compassion and loving kindness. By changing how we relate to our challenges, we completely change how they affect us. And by changing how they affect us, through skillful action, we have the ability to radically transform our lives and remove much of that pain and suffering. The practice of mindful and intentional living, as well as the practice of loving kindness, all help us work through these various challenges. But simply saying, practice mindfulness and you'll overcome this challenge, isn't enough. 
Part 3 talks specifically about a number of the most significant challenges we're faced with in our lives, and walks you through the path and practice of more skillfully handling each in everyday practical terms. There's no easy way out, if a way out exists at all, for any of these challenges. But there is a more skillful path which leads to less pain and suffering, and more peace and happiness in day-to-day life. And that's what Part 3, Living Naturally, is about. Living Lovingly Mindfulness has spread throughout the Western world in the past decade, and this is a very good thing. This is the natural part of the process of an awakening people, as the world has seen many times before. But, as we begin to learn more about mindfulness and meditation practice in the West, and as accompanying fields of psychology and scientific research, as well as a general interest in techniques and solutions to promote our mental well-being develop, we will see emphasis on more than just mindfulness and meditation in general, although that will stay an important aspect, if not the foundation. Even now, we've begun to see great results from scientific studies on the practice of loving-kindness and once again are drawing parallels between Buddhist wisdom and modern scientific research findings. Part 4, Living Lovingly, and the final principle of this moment, is about living with true love. True love in the Buddhist sense of living and loving with equanimity, or in a free and open way that doesn't clip our loved one's wings, or our own, with a sympathetic joy and the ability to delight in others' good fortune with compassion and the desire to relieve the suffering of others. And finally, with loving kindness, often described as a kind of love defined by acts of kindness and caring. For those wondering primarily what this moment will do for you, as many understandably will be, you might be wondering what the Buddhist principle of true love has to offer you, as it all seems to deal with others. The Buddhist principle of true love isn't confined to romantic love but rather includes, or can include, all beings. That includes yourself. Without a doubt, we love ourselves just as we love others. We love ourselves in either a free and open way, or in a confining and critical way. We love ourselves in either a joyous way, rejoicing in our good fortune and successes, or constantly beating ourselves up and always telling ourselves we're not good enough. We love ourselves in either a compassionate way, taking care of ourselves when we experience some pain or suffering, or a neglectful way, ignoring our needs and never really doing what's necessary to take care of ourselves. And we love ourselves in either a kind way, being kind to ourselves when we suffer a setback, failure, internal or external criticism, or suffering of any kind, or in an unkind way, always talking down to ourselves, and making ourselves suffer more due to our own actions against ourselves. True love, and the quality of love we have for ourselves, plays a significant part in our overall well-being, and there's so many different ways that it manifests in our daily lives. The quality of loving-kindness is a perfect companion to mindfulness, and is often inseparable from it when working through challenges. In Part 4, Living Lovingly you'll learn more about true love and how love plays a part in our search for meaning in life. You'll also learn how to walk the path of love in your daily life. How the way you interact with loved ones can be a mirror for your viewing your own challenges and unskillfulness. 
how to live with true love and cultivate loving kindness through various different formal and informal meditative practices, along with a final word about taking what you've learned and changing the world through your daily actions and the cultivation of great compassion. There was a part of me that consistently felt the title This Moment and the subtitled How to Live Fully and Freely in the Present Moment were too simple. I felt that I was possibly oversimplifying the point and principles of the book. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it's not too simple. It's just right. This moment is about the most important thing in life, and that's the very quality of life itself for us, how we experience life. Or in other words, whether we're stressed, anxious, and discontent, or happy, free, and at peace. You could say that it's a book about spiritual practice, and it is, but that's incorrect because to separate spiritual from everyday life is a gross misunderstanding. You could say that it's a book about peace and happiness, and it is, but that's incorrect because separating peace and happiness from the rest of your life, the challenges and adversity, is a gross misunderstanding. And you could say that it's a book about overcoming challenges and realizing freedom, and it is. But that's incorrect, because that's the purpose of spiritual practice and the pursuit of peace and happiness in the first place. So to separate any of those from one another is a gross misunderstanding. So I came to see that this moment, and its accompanying subtitle of how to live fully and freely in the present moment, were in fact perfectly fitting. That is what it's all about. To live more fully realizing that you were whole all along and never really needed anything to fill yourself up, and to live more freely, free from the chains of habit and conditioning which bind us and cause us to suffer in so many different ways. Keep in mind, though, that the most important piece of all is always the quality of your own effort. The words on this page are useful for nothing more than giving you a guide by which you can more skillfully live your day-to-day life. But, If you don't follow the practice, if you don't strive to live more mindfully, more intentionally, more naturally, or more lovingly, then nothing will happen. For actually changing your life, this book is no better than a table cover. Words on a page will never stand up and breathe for you, walk for you, think or act for you. It's you who needs to take action. It's you who is always the most important principle of all. For those ready to live the practice of peace, to bring the four principles alive in your everyday life, I want you to know that we walk together on this path. You're never alone, never traveling without a partner to lean on. When the going gets tough, all you have to do is take a moment to breathe and imagine me sitting with you, walking with you. This is available to you in each and every moment. I wish you the best of luck on your journey ahead and hope that this moment serves as a worthy and loving companion. I hope you enjoyed that uh, preview of this moment, how to live fully and freely in the present moment. Uh, Those two chapters set up a lot for the book, and I hope they also gave you a a couple of worthwhile insights as well. I know it mentioned a lot of information, and it really helps set up the book, uh, but there was also a number of good, I think, important insights within that chapter as well that were really integral for my own personal practice. So again, I hope you uh, appreciated those two chapters and got a lot from it. And if you'd like to check out more and uh, purchase a copy of the book, you can go to thismomentbook.com. 
www.audiobookbook.com. And again, you can purchase the audiobook by itself. You can also get the ebook by itself, the paperback, or you can get all of them together or whatever combination of those you want, uh, along with a number of really cool bonuses, uh, text and video and audio bonuses to uh, help you take the material in the book further. So again, that's this moment book. Dot com. And so I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Zen for Everyday Life and uh, that you enjoyed the preview chapters. And I will see you in this week's episodes. Peace. <laughs>